American soccer fans, what's going on? Welcome to episode 39 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, co-manager of StarsandStripesFC.com, where you can find all the news surrounding the U.S. national teams, the players, and everything else about the beautiful game in this country. Listen, we have a wonderful episode this week. Just a few minutes ago, I was able to sit down and speak with Danita Johnson. Danita is the president of business operations for DC United, and she is the first black president of an MLS club in league history. We touch on her path to becoming the president of a professional soccer team, her goals for the black and red this year and beyond, and we touch on what it means to be the first that looks like her in this soccer space, what it means to be black and a woman in a league where she will be the only one in the room, and how her experience in basketball has led to that. So, an interview I'm extremely excited to present you. Here is the conversation with Danita Johnson. It gives me extreme pleasure to be joined by Danita Johnson. Danita is the president of business operations for DC United, the first black president in MLS history, and only the third woman to serve in the role for her MLS club before assuming this role uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Danita had a 15-year career working for various franchises in the NBA, the G League, and the WNBA, most recently serving as president and COO of the Los Angeles Sparks. Danita, uh, thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I want to begin with the role you just stepped into at DC United. After a career, as I mentioned, it spans 15 years and eight professional basketball teams. What interested you about the DC United role and stepping out of what uh, many would assume is your comfort zone that was basketball into the world of soccer? Yeah, I mean, I'm one, I love a challenge and stepping out of my comfort zone, I think presents a challenge to me as an individual, both professionally and personally. And so throughout my career, um, definitely I've spent a lot of time in basketball, as you mentioned, and each step moving city to city, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about the world of basketball and this business. But moving to DC United was like this whole new world for me. And I'm very excited about what's ahead, even in the moment of it all right now. I'm excited for the challenges for myself professionally and personally, and I'm excited for the growth that we get to create for the club. So um, I'm ready to go. And I know you've only been on the job a couple of weeks. You started officially on February 1st, but in the lead up to that day, what were the initiatives or plans that in your mind you wanted to make a priority as you hit the ground running? Yeah, um, I asked for a lot of information prior to, um, just things to read over, um, to really understand the past, the present, and to really start developing what the future could look like. So for me, um, and the business side of things, because I don't do the things on the pitch, is really just understanding like, what are our different initiatives that we're working on from a business strategy standpoint? How are we continuing to build a fan base? How are we becoming more and more part of the fabric of the city that we're in? Um, the district is phenomenal. It's a great place to live. And then at the same time, the people, our staff and our culture that we build internally um, is really important. So for me, it's it's starting from within, building that strong relationship with our staff, hoping to develop their skill sets to go out and do the work that we need to do um, to help grow the club. Can you hear me now? Okay, great. So you worked for the Washington Mystics in the past. So I, I know a return to DC is kind of natural for you, but thinking about it from the scope of this pandemic and the process of starting a new role during said pandemic, how has the approach been different for you? Has it stopped you from kind of accomplishing some of the day-to-day -day business that needs to happen or things that you do as you kind of onboard into a new, into a new situation? 
Yeah, it, it makes some adjustments to it for sure. Um, you know, we're up against a lot getting ready for the season. I know everybody's asking questions about, you know, can we have fans and all those things. Those are things we're trying to figure out and try to do the best, make the best decision possible. Because at this point, you know, it's not just about playing the game. It's about also like the health and safety of our staff, our players, our fans. So all those elements of some of like the the regular things of like, oh, let's just plan a, a, a game night or a match night. Like that's traditional. In this sense, some of that is like, it has a new dynamic to it. So you have to consider these other factors as you're planning out all the different things you're doing from how you're going to engage with your members of saying, okay, wait, we can't necessarily do live events. How do we actually create virtual settings? How do we do things just a little bit different that still have an essence of us and still create connectivity. So there are definitely adjustments that are made in this. I think the foundational things of building a business are there, but there are day-to-day tasks that have to adjust due to the current situation. And with this COVID, I know like it feels like we've been in it for about a year now. We're doing this via Zoom, but I know a lot of us are Zoomed out, but still the (laughs) virtual format still kind of has to endure for a few more months, at least until uh, we kind of get everything behind us, but how do you make it so that it's still fresh? How do you, what ideas do you guys, are you guys thinking about to kind of bring in new fans while also recognizing that you can't give them the full experience just yet? Yeah. I think you have to kind of meet them where they are at this point. You know, it's changing that. How do you create that experience? And it's one thing that we are used to, I think is visualization, video, Um, music, all those different things, storytelling. So I think we have an opportunity to tell stories through our digital platforms to really start to create engagement, like telling stories about our players, telling stories about, you know, um, our community that we're involved in, like just doing those things that tell the stories to create connectivity. I think that has to be a part of it because they're not coming to an event to experience it. They're not coming, you know, every, like, we we don't know where we're going to be just yet. So like, we don't have all those answers. So we have to create stories, not create, but develop and tell our stories in order to connect with people. So as I mentioned, you're the first black president of a, of a club in major league soccer history. You're the third woman to ever have this role. Were you aware of that when you were discussing the position and how did it, how does it feel to kind of be that first? Okay. In, in the very beginning, I wasn't. <laughs> so when, I, when, I first, when I first like got the call and was like having dialogue, I wasn't even thinking of that. It was actually more of a, just a personal thing of like, okay, do you want to move? Do you want to try something new? How are mm-hmm. you feeling? And I remember um, when it finally kind of connected, I was like, wait a minute, wait, what's this all mean? Like, like mm-hmm. I was having a conversation, I was talking to one of my friends and they were like, don't you realize that if this happens, this will be, you know, you'll be the first black person to ever be a president of a MLS club. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it wasn't, <laughs> and I say that, but just like that thing, because my friends know me, like, I love, I love the work I get to do. Um, and so for me, it was, it was an added plus in the fact of helping to progress and move something forward. And so that part did excite me um, of now being like, wow, like what this can mean for the next person, what we can do to create more voices, and especially after this past year of just creating opportunity for change. Um, it, it's very exciting. And um, it's one of the things that has really, especially in the last probably few weeks of really getting into even just Black History Month of just saying, this is important mm-hmm. and it matters and not losing sight of that and not taking it for advantage either. Like I, I'm, I'm aware of it and I don't want to let it take over me, but at the same time, I wanna use it as an opportunity to help others. 
And I mean, that's obviously a challenge because there was no one in the room and now you're the first one in the room, but it still means you're the only one in the room. So do you, do you feel that that adds a little bit of pressure to you or, or is that something you embrace? I think I embrace that. Um, and it's wonderful in being in this industry for so long. Um, there's, I was on a call today and it was like three or four other leads that I actually knew through other places. Mm-hmm. And so they, they know me, they know the history of me and they've been so welcoming um, and really trying to help and make sure that I can succeed. And that's one of the things that's been one of the nice things is that people want to see the success out of this because they know how important it is. So people are very willing to help and support along the way um, where needed. I want to talk about your unique experience because you, you are one of those people that are, you know, you were in the WNBA, you were in the NBA, you were in the G League, and now you're coming to soccer. The WNBA has always been outstanding when it comes to using their platform to call for change. And even especially last year, I think they really took the lead of, of all sports. They took the lead with the wobble and just how they organize it and how the players in the league were able to use that platform to call for change. What lessons do you take from last year, even just your time in basketball, where this is such a a hot topic all the time? And and how do you take that and bring that to your current role here? My time in basketball awoke my own voice. I didn't realize how powerful our voices were until I started watching some of our athletes and some of our female athletes in the W and in the NBA side start to really push a message forward and being so close to it on a day-to-day basis made me realize that kind of what I was saying before about me being like the first black person, mm-hmm. one of the few women to lead, like it's important. And when, and that's why I don't mind speaking and doing things because I'm like, people need to hear it. They need to see it. And so my time in that, that league taught me that I had a voice and it mattered. Like I was inspired by them. And so even now it's, it's kind of odd in my first like 30 or so days, like coming out of the league, it's like, can I still say those things? Like, you know, cause mm-hmm. it was so comfortable in that space. Like it was acceptable to say what you want and like how you feel about things. And it was accepted to have a difference in opinion and still be respected. And I'm not saying that it's not acceptable in this space. I'm just adjusting to a new space and, and learning the new world that I'm in. But it was definitely one of those, like we, we push and we say what we want, but in a respectful way. Right. And, and how does, you know, how does DC United take the, take the lead on that? Or what have they been doing? I know in the past, before you arrived, they had done quite a bit over the summer to call attention to racial inequity, but what other initiatives do you think can go beyond black history month that, that DC United can be the leaders on? Yeah, I think we're in the works of that right now. I I can't say just yet. And I say that because we're in the development of like ideating what matters to us in this next phase. Um, Me catching up on what they had done over the past year. And then like, how do we continue to evolve that? But I know what we want to do and whatever we do, we want it to be authentic. That I can say. We want authenticity in what we do. And um, so we are continuing the notion of what we're doing for our communities, like our programs with DC scores, um, uh, black players for change, supporting our players in that capacity. Like we want to continue to move that forward. Um, we have a couple other things on the horizon um, that we're working on too. So hopefully we'll be able to roll out a few more things pretty soon. Great. And uh, I want to shift a little bit to uh, she believes cup. It begins next week, but I know that you are part of the she believes summit, which I believe starts today. Uh, mm-hmm. So just, in general, because we, we like to discuss the women's national team and just the aspiring talents that they have there. But what does it mean to be a woman in this space that's dominated by men? And what guidance do you 
do you think you can that you hope to bestow on young ladies who may want to be uh, follow your footsteps? For me, I want to be able to help them navigate it navigate it. Don't trip up where I tripped up. Like, I don't want them to have faults where I may have had faults. I want them to be able to get through some of those. They'll have their own challenges that they face. But if I can give back and have conversations with young women, young men, diverse backgrounds, and anybody coming up at the same time to help make their road just a little bit easier than mine was. And when they are faced with challenges to be prepared how to handle them, that I feel like I can give back. And um, that's one of the things, like, I get a lot of, like, emails and, and LinkedIn messages from young people like, can I get 15 minutes of your time? And I do my best to try to like, at least once a month or every other month, spend a couple hours doing calls like that. It's important. And it means so much to them that it's worth my 15 minutes. Uh, I got a couple more questions for you. Now that so, you have kicked through the doors, you've broken some glass ceilings, what's next? Like, how do you, what do you, what do you think is next for the team and, and what pathways uh, what's the pathway to have more people of color like yourself in executive positions in coaching and in the GM offices? Yeah, I think what we, I'm really big on hiring by committee. I think that's really important. Having committees um, that are diverse from all different parts of your organization. Um, and I don't, I mean, diversity in color and I mean diversity in thought because I think that brings perspective on who you can actually bring into your clubs and I think that has to happen at the executive level too I think that's critical and you know it just can't be me interviewing one person and just being like that's it it has to be the it's it's like almost a group thing to help exceed and, and push for diversity and then you're giving that at all levels um, so I think that's one of the the big pieces when it comes to the recruitment side I think there's two sides to this there's one side and I was just recently talking about this. There's the entry level side when it comes to the internships and um, entry level roles, making sure that we're recruiting and hiring there. And then on the top level, it becomes like the training development and the like that um, committee based hiring that becomes really big at the top level. So that way we're starting from both ends and we're going to be able to meet in the middle and continue to grow. And my last question for you. You've had a great career so far. You've, you've started you know, as a kid in North Carolina, and now you are the president of a major league soccer team. When will that hit you? When will you like, are you expecting, has it already hit you? Or is it, are you waiting for that first match to kind of be like, I, I am the president of a professional soccer team. I'm in charge. It's usually the first match. Mm-hmm. When it actually becomes reality. It's funny. I'll tell you my little story. My mother always says, you just don't realize what you do. <laughs> anytime I do something next in my life she's just like you're not even like she said it's not that you're not excited but you're just like okay I'm gonna go to work <laughs> that's how, and that's how I've always kind of approached things but usually I get the goosebumps come first match is and you see all the fans and you see it all come together like that's when it hits me typically in those moments well I hope that moment hit you very soon when DC United gets back onto the field. Danita Johnson, president of DC United. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us on the podcast. And before you go as a fan, as a season season ticket holder, a long time fan, I'm obligated to mention to you directly that a cherry blossom DC United Jersey will be the best selling Jersey (laughs) in major league soccer history. So you have to consider it. I just started seeing that on Twitter the other day, by the way. I was like, you'll get a lot of it. You're going to get a lot of it. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) But Dania Johnson, congratulations once again, the position. I wish you nothing but the best. You have my full support and we'll see you. Thank you. All right. All right. right
are back, and I just want to thank Danita Johnson again, president of DC United, for her time. This conversation was part of the Black History Month series that I'm once again undertaking this year. And I wanted to speak with Danita, not just because I am a fan of DC United, but because black history is still being written. Today, as we speak, black history is being made, and she is a walking example of that history. Black Players for Change is a part of that history. Crystal Dunn is that history. Midge Purse and Weston McKinney is that history. So I encourage everyone, take stock of the history we have made. There's a ton out there for you to read and become familiar with or to re-engage if you already know the story. Amplify black voices, amplify black stories, amplify black outlets, and support them. Get behind them. It's all a part of the history of soccer in this country, and that history should be important to all of us. It should be a priority, and I hope that over the course of the rest of this month, we can all think about the great black players and black moments and black achievements that have been made already, and we should strive to include them as part of our overall history, to be celebrated for 365 days, not just 28. That will do it for episode 39 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Again, thank you to Danita Johnson for her time, and thank all of you out there for listening. She Believes Cup begins next week. We hopefully will have more Black History Month content and the U.S. Soccer Annual General Meeting is looming in the distance. We will discuss all of those in the next couple of weeks. But until next time, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and enjoy the rest of your week. Take care.